Did you catch all the explanation points in President Nelson's invitation to think celestial and wonder, how am I going to apply all this gusto into the dilemmas and hard things of my life? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Hi, and welcome to Magnify. We are a podcast that helps keep General Conference top of mind without adding to your to-do list. I'm your host, Katherine Davis, a mom, a seminary teacher, and a big football fan who loves God. And I am so excited to learn and be inspired with you. We know life is busy, and we are here to lighten the load by bringing you weekly spiritual reminders that will leave you feeling a little bit better than before. Kayla Nelson is joining this conversation with me to chat about President Nelson's address, Think Celestial. Kaylin, I'm, I really am so excited that you're here. Thank you. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed, but I am grateful to be here too. I think that this is a beautiful opportunity. I feel very blessed. How was conference weekend for you as a new mom? Was it different? Was it harder? How was it? We had a great weekend. I think it was one of the first ones we haven't had a lot of family around. And so it was just the three of us and Louie's learning all sorts of new tricks and eating rice puffs. And anyway, so he was very entertained and we were entertained. So I don't know. We had a great time. How's, how was your conference weekend? It was great. It was a little quieter because I have one daughter in Israel and one son on a mission. And so it was a little smaller and my heart hurt a little bit, to be honest. Um, But I also loved the idea that we were all watching it together, right? That we were all able to watch those talks together. And my son even said, he emailed right before conference and said, I am so excited for conference. And then dot, 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 mom, did you hear that? I'm actually excited. And so I just thought, oh my word, like my kids are all over the world, but we all get to listen to the same messages and be together in different places. Isn't it such a bummer that he like comes to that when he's not with you and you're like, why could I not have enjoyed your conference loving a little bit more? But it's like, sometimes I guess they have to leave to do new things, to appreciate the things that you want them to and to implement the things that you've always taught them to do. Anyway, right. Which is kind of beautiful to see. Like I talked to him on Monday after conference and he held up this little notebook flipping through the pages. Look at how many notes I took. And I just, and then he, and he said, mom, did you know this? Did you know this? Did you know this? And I kind of kept thinking, yeah, we've talked about it a bazillion times, but yay, but you're learning it now. (laughs) Reminds me, sister writes talk, Amy Wright. She said like the oils in the lamp and he might not remember where the oil came from, but it fueled him to get to where he is. And now he's rediscovering so many things. Love that. Were you so excited to finally hear from President Nelson? I have to say, I really missed his presence at conference. And I kept thinking, he's not going to speak. He's not going to speak. And then Sunday afternoon. Yeah, there there was a missing thing. So when he did speak, I was like beyond excited to, to hear what he had to say. I think one of the first things that really stood out to me, though, and the thing that I wanted to keep in mind or want to keep in mind throughout this whole conversation is that, I mean, obviously, he turned 99, he's in his 100th year, and he's like, what have I really learned? And I just thought it was, he used it multiple times, how the plan is fabulous. And when I think fabulous, 
he didn't use exclusive or exclusionary or its niche. Heavenly Father's plan is fabulous. And so I think through this whole conversation, if we're keeping in mind and he, he calls the plan perfect, then then hopefully mm. that that truth really guides the rest of the, the conversation, because I really do believe that God's plan is fabulous. I really do believe it's for all of his children. He ends with that as well, that, you know, this is a plan to bless all of God's children. He testifies. And so anyway, yeah. I think that, that that those bookends for me were really helpful. I love that. And especially in Moses 139, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of men, all men. And yeah. I, I love that idea that his plan is fabulous. And that that is his entire purpose. His entire work and his glory is to bring to pass this plan. What we do in life matters, but Jesus's atonement makes it possible. Repentance is there. And so Anyway, so I think if we keep in mind that it's a fabulous plan for all of his children and that Jesus is there to help us muddle our way through, I think that's a beautiful way to start. Beautiful way to start. So I'm anxious. You have three interesting ideas that stood out to you. So let's just get right into some of those ideas. Well, the first one... Begin with the end in mind is something that he said, but I think that's part... That's been a major theme for his talks, I think, throughout. We've got myopic, you know, he's talking about in years past. Um, We're talking about thinking celestial or really just thinking big picture. Think big picture. Here's the quote that I liked. When you make choices, I invite you to take the long view, an eternal view. Put Jesus first because your eternal life is dependent on your faith in him and his atonement. It's also dependent upon your obedience to his laws. Obedience paves the way for a joyful life for you today and a grand eternal reward tomorrow. I guess the question came to my mind, what has he seen in his 99 years of living that's caused him to say, man, as I look back, if people can just try to have a long view, it's going to, I don't know. He doesn't say what it is. And maybe you could share some of your ideas. Like for me, when I think the long view I think it's supposed to relieve stress. I hope it doesn't add stress to think eternally. I think that there's still some things in the plan of salvation that we have questions about. I think there's some things we don't know, we don't have answers to. Maybe we're thinking too hard about eternity if it's causing anxiety. I think instead, maybe we should just think big picture in order to relieve stress that maybe I don't have to have it all figured out now. And so I should relieve some of that burden as I think eternally. Does that make sense to you? I don't know. What does thinking eternally do for you? 100%. And I think it takes away the worry. And I just think sometimes we worry so much about our choices and our actions and everybody else's. And I think taking the long view absolutely relieves stress and worry. And we get so centered on one little thing in front of us. Yeah. And President Nelson's address, and I think Heavenly Father is saying, hey, back up a little, take the long view and what seems so certain at the time and so consuming, if you can take the long view and step back, maybe relieve some of that stress and some of that worry and see that things are going to work out, that God is in charge And this little thing is going to lead me to know or understand something else. 
I think that that, again, I always try to look at President Nelson's message as a message of hope and happiness. And so for me, that's a message of hope and happiness. I, I also think it's interesting to know he's calling to an idea, a, a worldview. I'm not going to say it's like the members of the church largely are acting this way. I don't think that that's the case. But I think he's just calling out a worldview, a world perspective to say there's a lot of people in the world today who think and believe, eat, drink and be merry. That what I do today doesn't matter. And I think President Nelson's trying to, I don't know, necessarily call out specific members of our church, but call out a, a greater attitude, a world attitude to say, no, this life does matter. This is the time to prepare to meet God. He even says in his footnote, I need to pull, I need to, I'm glad his, his, the text came out. So we have those footnotes, but in footnote number seven, he says, it may prove to be easier to repent and progress spiritually here where our spirits and bodies are united. And then the next word world, when we die and, or are resurrected. Right. And so it's keeping in mind, like, I think we just need to balance it. I think he's calling us to say, Hey, this is, this is an extreme view. Let's it's, it's extreme to say it doesn't matter. So let's also give you the other side of the coin that it does matter, but then, you know, recognize that repentance can still exist and repentance is in the next life. And, and we don't have to get it all right here. And, and those should be hopeful, happy messages for us. Your comment reminds me of sister Runya's talk. When she's talking about crying at the tree, she's eating the fruit and crying <laughs> because she's so worried. She's like, it happened on Tuesday. And I'm like, welcome to the, cl-. you know, it was so relatable. I think that's, her talk was so relatable. But when she talks about having an overview lens, her overview lens is let's not be crying at the tree. Our loved ones still have a capacity to change and progress. And, 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 and we still have an ability to change and progress. And so I think it's important when you have, I mean, President Nelson has some really strong doctrinal truths that he's teaching, and they're beautiful. And Sister Runya's talk is also true, you know? And so let's, yes, we need to, this is the life to prepare to meet God. And don't get so caught up that we maybe lose faith or hope. Well, it also, it, it sent me on a path of study and... Mm-hmm trying to learn more for me. And actually I found this quote from Devin Cornish. Yes. He says this, let me be direct and clear. The answers to the questions, am I good enough? And will I make it? Are yes, you are going to be good enough. And I like that you are going to be good enough. And yes, you are going to make it as long as you keep repenting and do not rationalize or rebel. The God of heaven is not a heartless referee looking for any excuse to throw us out of the game. That reminds me of President Nelson's, like it's a fabulous plan. Fabulous plan. He is our perfect loving father who yearns more than anything else to have all of his children come back home and live with him as families forever. He truly gave his only begotten son that we might not perish, but have everlasting life. Please Mm -hmm. believe and please, sorry, and please take hope and comfort from this eternal truth. Our heavenly father intends for us to make it. That is his work and his glory. We could just clap to it because that is so true. Why do you feel like that is striking you so profoundly right now? Well, I just, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I just, I think of President Nelson's talk where he is just asking us to take this different perspective and understand that God's in charge, that his plan is fabulous. And you know, as 
a member of this church and as a mom and as a neighbor and as a wife and as a teacher, I can have a tendency to worry a lot about my choices. And I always, always wonder, am I good enough? And I see my students ask that every day. Am I good enough? And the adversary is so good at giving them the message that they're not. And I think if we can look at this address from President Nelson and this quote from Elder Cornish, that yes, you are. You are good enough. You know, Elder Uchtdorf's when he says this is a gospel of happy endings. And I think President Nelson is making sure that we don't take that message, which is so true, too far to the extent that we say, and therefore it doesn't really matter what you do because Jesus, Jesus loves you. Right. And it's like, no, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so I think it's just, this is really, this talk has been a, a practice for me in balancing, making sure that I, that I am balanced in my justice and my mercy and in my obedience, but also in my grace. I also thought it was interesting. Sometimes I think as Latter-day Saints, our long view is like, okay, so life is basically going to be miserable and then I'm going to be happy later. And he makes it the point a couple of times, joy today and eternal reward tomorrow. And I, and I think making sure that, that we don't view mortality as just being the suckiest thing ever, but sometimes <laughs> mortality is really hard. And so it's trying to, you know, other President Nelson talks, you know, trying to find um, joy as a Latter-day Saint, no matter our circumstance, I think that there's an element of that in here to say, don't think that it is only a reward leader. And and I do agree where he says our choices matter. Our choices matter today, tomorrow. They Our choices can help us become more like our heavenly parents. Yeah. And you actually have this second reminder which I thought was interesting that came to you during President Nelson's talk. And that is that our thoughts precede actions. Yeah. Because if our choices matter, then what is that saying about our thoughts? I think when he's saying think celestial, I really, Proverbs, I want to say it's Proverbs 27 or Proverbs 23, verse seven. I'm switching the seven or the three anyway, but as a man thinketh he is, so, so is he. And the idea of like, man, if we could just think a little bit higher and holier, how might that change some big decisions we might make? If he's looking at maybe some hard things that have happened and saying, if we could just think a little higher and holier, maybe we could prevent some of this heartache from happening. He goes pretty hard on the law of chastity, which I thought was fascinating. And maybe that's, you know, context for my thought, my earlier thought of just like, what, what is he seeing with morality in the world and in the church that would cause him to take a very just like, not even just a quick second, but like a solid three paragraphs to say, few things will complicate your life faster than, than disobeying this divine law. What, what were your thoughts as you hear him speak about morality and you're thinking about application? You're like, well, I'm currently keeping my, you know. I don't know. What what are some takeaways personally, or what are your perspectives on why he maybe feels to address that topic so directly? Well, that's such a good question. Cause I think at first I automatically went to my students and my kids. Yeah. Can I help them understand this in a more profound and holier way that he's trying to teach? 
But then I thought, and then I went back to his peacemakers needed talk. Like this isn't just for the person you're thinking about, right? right. I'm like, okay, well, how does like, this apply to, how does this apply to me Yeah, in my marriage and in my covenants? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I honestly keep the law of chastity in a more intentional way rather than just not doing something? And I think you and I see it every day. We live in a world where the law of chastity defined by the world is very different. And our, and our children and our students are getting messages continually that everything's okay. That yeah. eat, drink and be merry yeah. and it's have fun and experience life and be cavalier. Like it's fine. I- express yourself, experience life and, and, and it's fun. Right. And so I, I just think, why is it so important? How can this keep us close to our heavenly father and to the spirit? And I think there's a lot more to it than rather just dismiss it. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that's like, was my fear is like, am I dismissing a message that's really important because I think, well, I'm a married woman, so I don't, it's not applicable. Um, so yeah. I actually asked my students, so I'm teaching at BYU right now, just as a visiting instructor. And I asked all my classes, my living prophets classes. So it's, it's, you know, very relevant to our class outcomes, et cetera. And, and I just said, what, what's the takeaway? You don't have a boyfriend right now. You don't have a girlfriend right now. You're married. You know, what, what's the conversation about the law of chastity? Why is it relevant? They said some fascinating things. They were actually extremely passionate, tons of hands, just like, so on fire. And one of the, some of the things they mentioned were like, this needs to be, we're so glad he mentioned it because we need to have healthy conversations about sexuality. And if president Nelson mentions it in his talk, if anyone studies any talk with their family, like we should study the prophet's talk. And maybe this will be a good segue for you to say, we're sexual beings. This is part of the plan. We need to understand what's appropriate and what's not. But we also need to recognize that these feelings exist and, and that we need to talk about this in healthy, open ways instead of dark, scary corners and, and, and you know, in filthy ways or in, in, in casual ways. And so they love and that. And the sacredness, the sacredness of those feelings. Absolutely. And, and empowering, you know, youth and young adults. This is so I'm teaching currently pretty much all Gen Z. This is Gen Z saying, we wish we had more healthy conversations about sexuality growing up. And um, they're not that far removed, you know? And so, so I, we hope that this, you know, maybe for families um, is a good segue, but the also, also the thing that they said was they thought that sexuality and intimacy, that their knowledge had a direct impact on how they acted upon it. So if we're thinking celestial about intimacy, then maybe that will, again, affect, affect our actions because our thoughts, how we think about something precedes how we participate. And as a married woman, I just, I thought, so, you know, that those were some things that they were seeing. But as a married woman, I thought, you know, how am I engaging in, in a world, in that worldview? And, and am I ignorant to think that that worldview of casualness or whatever doesn't have an effect on me? Far be it from us to think that this doesn't destroy marriages. The the scripture, I want to say it's second Nephi, so you can correct me. I'm not the best at the numbers and the chapters, but um to pacify and lull us into carnal security. Carnal security. I'm good. My marriage is fine. I would never 
she would never, he would never. Watch, think, do. Watch, think, do. It wouldn't read, you name it. Yeah. It, it doesn't affect me. And and so for me, it was a, a call to be cautious of the things I consume for me, genuinely. So that was a, that was a theme that I saw, you know, if, if we're thinking, you know, maybe, maybe thinking is easier to control than changing everything we do in our lives to be celestial. And it's like, yeah, I can, I can think better. I can try to give the benefit of the doubt to someone I'm right. I can think differently. And through my trials, I do think I just want to point out just this difference that I saw in the text in his paragraph. Um, notice the exclamation points, but then also the periods. When you're confronted with a dilemma, think celestial. Tested with temptation, think celestial. When a loved one lets you down, think celestial. When someone dies prematurely, think celestial, period. It doesn't have to be happy every time. Or like exclamation point. Like we can have a positive attitude, but sometimes it stinks, period. Still think celestial. When someone lingers with a devastating illness, think celestial, period. Devastating. Hard. When yeah, the he's not telling you not to feel it. Yeah, he's not saying don't feel it. When the pressures yeah. of life crowd in upon you, think celestial, exclamation point. As you recover from accident or injury, as I'm doing now, think celestial, right? Positivity and trying to think optimistically, all of those things are good. But then he's got a couple periods in there saying, not maybe, he's not trying, you don't need to sparse out what's actually sad and what's not sad, you know? But it's just to say there are times when the emotion is real. And it is a, a physically difficult act to try to have an eternal perspective when something really, really hard hits you. But even then you should still. And that is not what he said, but that's what his punctuation taught me in that paragraph that I thought the text was like, wow, what an interesting, clearly conscious choice he made here. And when there's a period instead of an explanation point, when there's emotion and when there's hard how can thinking celestial bring hope and relieve stress and worry? I hope it does. Sometimes it does it better for me than others. It's not the silver bullet, but I don't think he ever says it is. I think he says, this will help. Um, so my last one, and I thought this one maybe only had a paragraph, but I was also just some good one-liners in here of just like, where am I turning for peace? Like he is my solace. The quote that I loved is, as you think celestial, you'll find yourself avoiding anything that robs you of your agency. Any addiction, be it gaming, gambling, debt, drugs, alcohol, anger. That's not one we normally think of. Pornography, sex, or even food offends God. Why? Because your obsession becomes your God. You look to it rather than to him for solace. I was just like, Oh man, ouch, like mostly like an ouch, but also like, yeah, I mean, he doesn't list a lot of things on there that for me are a solace and a peace giver, um, my, my endless scrolling, my mindless, endless Instagram, TikTok scroll to just like numb the pain of the day and to just get a break. And I'm, I am not saying that you should never do that. Right. And, and I don't, you know, he's never, he's definitely not saying you should never eat food, obviously. Right. Um, so it's not saying that we, there aren't sometimes things that kind of help us get out of a funk, but where do we look to find solace instead of him? If you struggle with an addiction, notice the shame, the shame conversations of the nineties and two thousands, they are not here. They are not like, if you are gambling and 
having sex and looking at porn, like, you know, there, there's no shame here. It's just an invitation to seek help, spiritual and professional, because these are real and these happen, but don't let an obsession rob you of your freedom to follow God's fabulous plan, man. So I just wrote, I was just thinking, you know, fill in the blank. I will just feel better if I can blank. Yell at the person who wronged me, seek revenge, reply on the comment, the post, send that text message so that they know how I feel. Who knows? If I just lose myself in this form of media, I'll feel better. Or if I ignore it. Or if I ignore it. If I just ignore how I'm feeling. If I just ignore it and bury it under my hobbies and busyness. Yeah. Or my scrolling or my whatever that is. If I can numb myself with this substance, I'll be good. If I can just fill myself, my stomach, my mind, my whatever. And anyway, I was just trying to brainstorm, you know, what are, what are, how we, how we may be turned to other places. Now, again, not to say that an episode of your favorite TV show at the end of a day can't help you like process emotion or process some things. Again, totally not the point to say that we should only be, right? We're not living in temples. We're not living in, we're living in the world, right? So we're acknowledging that. But I also think that there's just this pause of a minute to say, am I also seeking solace from the person who can truly give me solace and not just my vice or my thing? that I turn to worldly or whatever, where do I turn for peace? And even if let's say we need to, like you said, decompress with our favorite show, that's great. But are we still turning to the Prince of peace to find peace? Are we still turning to him to find solace? My, the ending, this, this came up in, in all of my classes, actually just the refresh that it is for president Nelson at the end to have said, and I've made mistakes too. $15 a month and he was not paying his tithing. And Dan Zolg says, hey, you paying your tithing? And he's like, whoops, I was not. I quickly repented and began paying the additional $150 a month of tithing. I don't want to take this too literally with tithing, but notice he doesn't say. And then I calculated the backlog for the last seven months of the stipend and then I repaid it all. And then once I had repaid it all, then I felt like I had truly repented. He doesn't say that. He says, I began paying that, you know, 150 a month. Re- making restitution is real. It's a real part of the repentance process. We need to make the, right, the wrong things right. But how often do we hold ourselves back from moving forward and beginning new because we feel so strongly that we need to wait until we have really taken care of every little single thing that could have ever possibly. And, and we prevent ourselves from just, just cut it, cut, be done, start today, move on. If the tone of Jesus Christ is real, then yes, we need to make restitution when that is called for. We need to say, sorry, we need to whatever, but then move the heck on and stop holding on until you feel like you could then say, you know, with the tithing, I paid it all. And so now I'm good. It's like, no, Jesus Christ's atonement is the thing that's going to help us 
resolve those things. Our job is to be better today and to move forward and stop holding ourselves back until we back pay. We don't need to back pay. We don't need to feel the need to back pay for everything we do. Again, restitution is real. But I think Latter-day Saints, we do that all the time. I think in his thing, Celestial, it's saying things have happened. Let's let's go through the repentance process. Though your sins be as scarlet. Like let's move. And then once it's done, let's move the heck on and try to be better. And believe in the atonement of Jesus Christ. Because maybe, maybe that backlog pay is at your core a feeling like maybe you don't deserve or believe that he's willing to do that for you. I don't know. There's so much. And Kaylin, I just have to say, I've loved this conversation so much because, and as I prepared for this conversation, because it brings me back to something President Nelson says in the middle of his talk, please do the spiritual work to increase your capacity to receive personal revelation. It's got to be it. Not This talk is not an island. This talk is a conversation. This is talk is one point in a conversation about life and eternity. Um, a conversation started eons before. Alma's having it with his sons. You know, we're having these conversations all the time. And so um, putting this talk in, it's in, in, in the conversation. But I do think that if we are thinking a little more consciously about how we can personally be a little bit more like our heavenly parents today or Jesus Christ today, then I think there could be nothing more beneficial to the membership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And maybe it could prevent us from making some decisions that could bring heartbreak. Because I also think in his hundredth year, he can look back and say, man, some of these addictions, obsessions, I like the word obsession, these addictions, obsessions, these choices can really change your trajectory. So, Caitlin, as you've done the work with President Nelson's talk and other talks, but particularly with this talk, what have you learned about the Savior? I've heard it said of Jesus that sometimes we overemphasize one of his two titles. We have Jesus and then we have the Christ. And the Jesus is the warm fuzzies, the woman with the issue of blood, uh, the lepers. We have this, this aspect of his, his character and his nature, which is to acknowledge sinners, strugglers, people in pain, to see and recognize that. And we also have the anointed one who was sent forth to do his father's work. And he does them both perfectly. He is the kind and loving man, deity, brother, elder brother, that I always hoped he would be. But I cannot divorce that from the divine laws that have been decreed, from, from the commandments that he sets forth. He is both. And so this talk for me, I guess it helped remind me, is that Jesus is the Christ. And, and he is both. And so if, if I am feeling hopeless, maybe I'm overemphasizing his call to repentance. And maybe I need to balance myself in, in remembering that he is Jesus. But if I am feeling comfy, cozy, <laughs> and I'm like, it's all good. Jesus loves me. Then maybe this is a call to say, but he had a mission and his mission wasn't do whatever you want. And so 
I think that that for me, that this talk reminds me to center myself on both of those attributes, both of those titles and characteristics of, of him that I believe are there. But I do think it takes work to your point. It takes work to acknowledge and appreciate and love both of those aspects because they both are crucial to my faith and, and, and salvation. So Kaylin, we love to end each show with a small and simple thing, a challenge or an action that we can take throughout the week to help us be a little bit more or think a little bit more celestial. So what's one thing we could do today to think celestial? Oh man. I, I honestly, the one thing is to think celestial, you know, like the title is the action. The title is the takeaway, but, but thinking celestial being thinking like Jesus Christ would think, and maybe, maybe it's this simple, you know, hear him. Yep. Uh, take his name upon us. Huh? Is this all the same message? Yeah, it is. Is he rebranding it? So maybe we think it's new and fresh and all of a sudden we're like, Oh, that, you know, maybe he's put, he's putting it in 2023 terms, but he's saying this week, be more like Jesus Christ, find a friend, a loved one, a child, a coworker. And maybe if it's even once this week, you change the way you react or interact with that one individual. And I, I think that is manageable, be that friends, family, or, or, or others, but we just change our, our, the way we think about that person so that we can act better. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. I really, I've enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to being present on social media, continuing this conversation, talking more about this to say, what does this look like? How have we wrestled with these things? And, and, and how are we, how are we seeing ourselves in this talk? And maybe Catherine, to your point, how are we trying not to point at others or look at others, but look to ourselves and say, what does this look like for me? I, I'm really looking forward to that. So find us over on Instagram and let's continue this, this conversation.